This is a ticket to the party. Evening, boys. Oh, First service. You gotta love Mohammed. Oh, that is a moment of absolute magic from Federer. It's very magic, though. Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of the Loosely Strung Tennis Podcast. But today, uh, as we've mentioned before, today is a, today's a little bit different boys, isn't it? It's a bit different. We are going to change it up this week. We have a very special guest, we have Ben Rothenberg, world-renowned Ben Rothenberg. <laughs> Ben, how are you? And it's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Happy to be uh, yeah, reconnecting with some Scottish roots through uh, this v- medium. It's very exciting for me to get the chance to do this. Superb. Right, well, I always start the, the podcast off with, with a, a more personal question because, I mean, tennis for me is secondary. I like to know what's what's going on in people's life. So I usually jump around the, jump around the boys and see... Give me the highlight of the week. So we'll do it normally. We'll start with uh, with Ross Beavers. Give me a highlight of the week. Ooh, highlight of the week. See, I can't like, I, I can't talk about any wings related highlights of the week. Usually, <laughs> usually Ben, when we start this podcast, about five minutes in, it takes me about five minutes to start talking about chicken wings and my food from the week that I've eaten, and it gets a bit crazy. So I'm just going to say my highlight of the week because it's been with you guys and this uh, this pod with Ben. So I'll, I'm going to say that. Lovely. Lovely. Skinny, give me your, your, uh, your highlight of the week. My highlight of the week's not happened yet. I have done a full dry January. Wow. So I'm having my first beer in over 30 days tonight. So tonight I, after wow. the podcast. Amazing. Come on. So I earned it. Gary so. boy. Gary boy. Highlight of the week. Work. Yeah. No, no, no. no, 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 no just the drive to work. No, we're just going to get in Ross P and tell him that we night prepping up our new setup. Yeah. Superb. Mm-hmm. Superb. Crazy. You always got the greatest highlight of the of the week. As always, as you thought it couldn't get any better for the always humble Callum Price. He just received <laughs> another promotion within eight months. Oh, so right, 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 right. Ben, give me give me your highlight of the week for yourself. Oh gosh. Yeah, highlight of the week for myself is probably just trying desperately to get back on uh Australian time or from Australian time. I was didn't travel this year, but still was staying up late. So getting to wake up at like you know, 2 p.m. repeatedly this week was uh, was nice. Just feeling like completely not a member of society on any functional level. It's always always good when tennis does that to you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a, that's a normal uh, Ross P week. Yeah, I support it. I support that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move right on to, to your book, Ben. If you want to give the listeners a wee update about your book and, and what's going on with it just now. Yeah, so I've been working on this book uh, for a little over a year now uh, on Naomi Osaka. And so it's going to get a little, I think publication date may change because she's out for the whole 2023 season. Uh, she's pregnant. So as you said, she's coming back sort of targeted uh, for Australia next year, probably at the earliest. And we'll see how that actually shakes out when she has the kid. I mean, it's tough to know when you're you know having a kid, especially for the first time in the middle of the career, everything she has going on in her life, how exactly she'll reset and what her priorities are will be at that point. Um yeah, so we're working on a date for that, trying to find actually hopefully finding some some UK uh, publisher for it soon. Um, and yeah, uh, looking, it's been a lot of fun to do to sort of dive deep into this project rather than most of what I've done in my career is sort of in the more daily newspaper stuff, you know, just sort of quick 
relatively quicker uh, stuff. So having a lot of time to think about one project has been both uh, great and also sort of overwhelming at the same time, try to get all this uh, totally different scale of stuff. Or usually what I write is like about a thousand words and this is over a hundred thousand. So it's a big sort of exponential uh, leap there, but it's been fun. Hopefully people will uh, enjoy it. It's something I wanted to do for a while in terms of writing a book about tennis or about you know, things I've covered on tour. So uh, I'm glad this one is finally taking shape. Sounds, sounds superb. I, I would say myself, I'm, I'm a pretty big Osaka fan. So yeah. I know, I'm a pretty big book fan as well. So I'll be, I'll be getting, yeah, I do like a book. I don't um, know that. Audio because I can't read. Yeah, an audio book I can't read. So, uh, <laughs> no, um, well, it sounds superb. And obviously from, from all of us, we wish, you, we wish you the best with it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, right. Let's get started with, with some tennis just now. Uh, we spoke last week about the Stewie Open, but we're going to go into a little bit more depth with it uh, today. We saw uh, all the stats come out that the the men's Stewie Open was the lowest for ratings in the last 10 or so years. We spoke last week, didn't we, boys, about... It, it, for us, it just didn't live up to expectations. Nah, first, first week was good, but Murray carried it. And then it kind of fizzled out a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, we thought the the women's side of the draw was absolutely fantastic. We were we were engrossed in it. We thought this is this is prime tennis, but it did give us a big worry about the men's. Ben, I don't know if you had an opinion on if the men's side of the draw lived up to expectations, or if you think there was a reason it, it did. Yeah, I'm not surprised it did. I don't think it was an especially strong tournament. Certainly not by Grand Slam standards. I agree with you. I think. Murray was the heartbeat of the tournament while he was in it, and he only you know lasted three rounds. So those are three very compelling matches he played. Um, and with the way the draw was opening up, it almost seemed like people were you know daring to dream that he could he could make a a run deeper into the second week than he has in a while. Uh, but obviously, just the amount of matches he had played caught up to him finally. So yeah, Murray was was the sort of heart and soul of it and put on the show. I thought the women's side. I think the women's final was really great. That was a really really good final. Um, I don't think it was the most highly anticipated final. I don't think people had. So the highest hopes for for Bakina and uh, Sabalenka. I don't think there's a you know not the most well known names even within tennis fan circles. So I think expectations were pretty low, and I think they really soared past them and delivered one of the better finals we've had just in terms of level in a long time. So that was a really good note for the women to end on. Um, and then for the men, you know, Djokovic was the favorite, and he was never really tested the whole way, which is kind of the story in Australia a lot. And then I think you know there is in terms of the viewership being so down and especially in the u.s i think it's the number of year that we saw this lowest in 10 years for the final for australia and in australia domestically i know it was down as well for most metrics um and i think other places as well but imagine are the same and i do think there are people who after everything that happened last year probably especially just enjoy watching djokovic less i do think people are less mode if they think he's going to win and they don't want to watch him win they might not tune in for that i don't think his his presence there and he's a polarizing guy whether you I think everyone can agree on that, whether you like him or not, whatever side of pro or anti Djokovic, he's a very polarizing guy. And so I think that is meaningful probably in the erosion of, of some of these numbers, you know, just that he, when, if you don't like him and you're pretty confident he's going to win, like, why would you watch on some level? Um, and I do think that he's inspired strong feelings. Whereas at the same time, obviously you see the, the fervor and the excitement for him among his, his supporters is as diehard as ever, if not more. Um, so yeah, I think it's just sort of, it's more polarized that way. And the final wasn't, it was a straight set final. It wasn't, wasn't great. And, you know, so yeah, I think there's a few different factors, Um, but yeah, tennis, men's tennis is in a transition period. You know, it's really kind of feels like it's almost 
maybe not maybe premature to say it's down to a big one, but Nadal has had a very bad, you know, last eight months or so since the French Open, really, since Wimbledon, since he pulled out of Wimbledon um, in the semifinals, he really has not been anything like a top five player that we're used to in terms of his results. So, um, yeah, the competition isn't really there right now on the men's side, and that's going to hurt. And if there's no one else to challenge Djokovic, um, except for, I guess, various immigration authorities who still can't get into the U.S. for any Wells or Miami uh, in the short run, it seems like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be a bit of a reset time. And so seeing if anyone steps up. Yeah. Well, well we spoke, we spoke last week about how big a miss Alcaraz was. Um, yes. like, I think the tournament completely changes suspect as well as to having Kyrgios in as well for viewership. But Alcaraz is, is a massive miss, um, for me, him or Holger Runard, maybe the only two that could, they could challenge Djokovic, not even level-wise, but mentally, I think the rest of the draw look and go, well, I can't beat him mentally or physically, so like I'm, I've already lost before I've walked on. And that's what we were saying. Like, If Alcaraz was in Australia, I think the tournament's completely different, and you might be sitting here saying that was an incredible tournament because Alcaraz plays Djokovic in the final, and no matter what, it's probably going to be a blockbuster. But with him not being in it, and the look of the last 16, yeah. I think we sat here on the Monday before it and went, this is a pretty easy one to predict. Yeah. 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 The mental part is absolutely huge for Djokovic. And then honestly, he delivers the goods too. It's not all just bluster. I mean, like, especially what he does in these tie breaks that he's been in some of these big matches um, in recent years of his career. Uh, just he goes to complete lockdown and doesn't miss. And he's in, you know, it makes these matches that even if they are look a little bit close on the scoreboard, sometimes they're really not that close when you watch them because he runs away the tie breaks so quickly. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's so best when he needs it most. And it seems so in control of of the match and how much, you know, rope he has to work with at any given point. He uses every inch of it sometimes. Um, even, you know, within a straight set win, he can really manage his energy really well. So I think he's just kind of leagues ahead of everybody right now. Uh, Sitsipas, you know, did have some success early in his career against him, but wasn't really ready for it. And yeah, right. You're right. I think that Runa, who who beat him in in the Paris Bercy final, was was maybe someone who could do something, and and also Alcaraz, yeah. But having neither of them get to play him, yeah, it just seems like it's a really thin kind of pack right now. There's a few guys who are trending down. Uh, Medvedev, uh, who was number one this time last year, or getting to number one this time last year, he is at the top ten now. Uh, Zverev obviously had his injury and has not it's looked really bad in Australia. Uh, so I don't know how long he's going to take to get back in the mix. Uh, yeah, it's just sort of a transition time. Berrettini, I feel like it's been, he had a tough draw with Murray first round, but he's not quite been in the mix like he could be. So yeah, I think, I think Djokovic has a clearer runway and then you'd kind of expect him to at this stage. Do you, do you think, Ben, that any of the American players apart from Fritz can step up and start to challenge near, near the top of the rankings? Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it depends on how long, you know, how patient you are for that assessment. Like, I think that the numbers are certainly there. I think there's, I think after they're showing up, there's 10 Americans in the top 50 of the rankings, which is pretty incredible representation of to have 20% of the top 50 be Americans. Um, how many of them have the upside to win in Grand Slam? I mean, Francis Tiafo, you know, came within one set of making the US Open final last year. Uh, he lost to Alcaraz in five in that semifinal. And so, yeah, he's someone who at his best, I think, has this sort of game to to hang with anybody and to rise to the occasion. Maybe you should see someone like him play someone like Djokovic in the US Open, let's say this year, where the crowd could be behind him. That could be a pretty uh, special match if that could happen. And then, yeah, some of the other guys, I think the one with the most sort of 
talent right away that's most complete game is is Sebastian Corda. Yeah. Um, who has been right there with these big guys in some big matches and just hasn't been able to close it out. He had match points against Djokovic in Adelaide uh, in January. And then also he had was leading a big lead against Rafa at Indian Wells last year and just couldn't close that out either. I think it was at 5-1 or 5-2 in the third of that match. So, yeah, so he's there in terms of games, just a mental thing for him. And then just also staying healthy. He's had some health uh, issues and he had a wrist injury that forced him out of the Australian Open that hopefully isn't too serious. And then there's Ben Shelton, who's... Uh, very raw still, but his, his game is pretty incredible. The parts he does have. Um, and he's, uh, into the top 50 already after making the, sem- the quarterfinals in Australia. So, um, he probably has a little bit longer to, to, you know, sort of develop and, uh, marinate before he's ready to beat a Djokovic at peak Djokovic. But, uh, long-term he's got a, a huge, huge upside and people are pretty excited about him. Yeah. Um, you'll probably find out pretty soon, but I've predicted an American winner for a grand slam this year. Okay. So uh, I'm I'm back in I'm back in the Americans. I think I think tennis needs, um, especially for coverage and stuff. I think tennis needs a top American player. Yeah. We kind of spoke about it already a little bit, but last week in the pod, I I said I have a, I've got I've got a worry for tennis over the next few years. I don't I think it's lacking a few a few characters. I think it needs some. We we've had a running joke that we see, uh, like Holger Rune and such a pass is like perfect Bond villains yeah. <laughs> so I think tennis needs like characters and jokers and what like people are like what I need we need to watch this guy is brilliant um, bad guy. yeah some like, bad every guy. sport needs a bad a bad guy like a bad guy just everyone sport everyone needs an antagonist the podcast you know? is one it's Carl yeah I'm, I'm <laughs> a bad guy it's Carl so I, do you not feel like tennis that there is a, a real lack of of massive characters that are except from Djokovic there's not really bad guys I feel like maybe Kyrgios at times but I still feel like he gets incredible amounts of support I feel like there is a that like space is vacant for someone in the tour to, to grab and I'd, I'd love it to be Holger and I'd be right behind him for it all the way yeah, I think Holger absolutely has that potential I mean he was I, I know they're filming him for the uh, Netflix season two, which hasn't been officially greenlit, greenlit, I believe, but I know there were some cameras around him in Australia. And to me, he's that perfect kind of like reality show villain. If they're count, if they're you know, he'll use the word documentary for the Netflix show to make it sound like fancy, but it's a reality show on some level. And Holger Runa is a great reality show villain because, or not villain, but caricature even because he's such a you know so expressive and so confident and you know not shy about his emotions and things like that. And so, yeah, he could absolutely be in the mix. And, you know, there've been times certainly where there have been maybe too many villains of sort of a low grade on the ATP where different guys, just everyone has some reason to find everyone annoying. And so that's why I think there was a surprising amount of, uh, of, of love, let's say for like a Casper, a Casper rude when he emerged last year, he was seen as being incredibly unproblematic on some level and just sort of a nice, if sort of, you know, potentially bland guy but that was sort of a nice antidote yeah, to yeah. <laughs> i think we, we, we've said he's yeah we said he's, he's a bit too nice yeah i mean he, he very well could be but he's he's also just sort of he's a contrast to some of the other you know people who get dismissed as being brattier to use the tennis word which is sort of an age-old tennis term um casper is not that so yeah. yeah, it's a mix, you know, but it just, it'll take, I think really what it takes to develop stories is to have results, you know, like, like for Naomi Osaka, we mentioned, like the women's tour got helped a lot. She had a result because she beat Serena Williams in the US Open final. 
And that was the sort of torch passing moment. And that was a, it happened because of the results. And so that's why it's really tough for the men's game when you have something like Carlos Alcaraz winning the US Open and then missing the year-end championships and the Australian Open with injury. And that's really rough for, for the tour when they're trying to develop storylines and, and continuity. So if you were going to pick that one player in the men's tour to not to take that baton from Djokovic, who do you think on tour would be the one? Or is that player, do you not think, on the tour yet it's going to be five years down the line? I, five years may be a little bit long. I mean, it could be a year or two more, for sure. I mean, Djokovic is only going to keep getting older, too. That's the thing. And his, his game is so physical um, that if he... Although he was really efficient in Australia, too, with managing whatever injury he had um, there. And he can play a lot less defensively. And it's just a great ball striker and server. I mean, he's, those parts of his game are underrated um, for how much he can just sort of stand and, and deliver. Uh, so, yeah. So he, yeah, I, I think Alcaraz is in there in the mix for sure. Uh, Yannick Sinner, I haven't mentioned, but Yannick Sinner like, was up two sets to none on him in Wimbledon last year. Uh, Could have potentially we had the game to match him, if not the mentality, maybe. So, yeah, there's a few guys who, who have the potential, but it's just it's very, very hard actually getting it done against the Djokovic. I do think Djokovic will need to come down a bit to earth before he can get he can get past with his current altitude. I don't think it's really matchable. I don't think he'll ever come down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, eventually, what goes up must come down. <laughs> so we're going to actually have a look at some predictions um, that we, we made from the start of the year. Uh, well, obviously, had the Australian Open. Which I was the only person that got wrong because I predicted uh, Felix Auger Alessim to win it, and he incredibly let me down. He, I mean, the match he lost, I just thought was terrible. It was terrible. a bit of a nightmare for me. The rest of the boys predicted Djokovic. We were. I actually just want from you, Ben. What's your predictions for Roland Garros, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open? If you can just give us the the winner. I mean, we're going to trust you as a, a tennis genius to <laughs> to predict that you'll get it right. Um, and then we'll give you some of ours, uh, some of our shockers, to be honest, um, <laughs> especially from Ross Pierce. Yeah, it's not great, but no, give us your, uh, your friends from Wimbledon and US ones so we can hold it against you for the next seven or eight months. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, a lot of it depends honestly, on how Alcaraz does physically, because if he's out of the picture, I think it changes the tour pretty meaningfully. Um, but I made predictions preseason. I'll just stick with them. I had Alcaraz winning the French Open. I think he's been good on clay. Um, and, you know, he won Barcelona and won Madrid last year. He's such a physical guy. I think he can match and maybe even beat Djokovic on physicality. Um, I don't know that Roth is going to be in the mix that much in Paris this year. It's tough to know. I'm not going to bank on that. So I think Alcaraz or Djokovic are my two picks for Paris now. And I would probably just to be a little interesting to pick Alcaraz right now. Because um, I will pick Djokovic for, for Wimbledon. Uh, he's just been so good there, and the game, the conditions, he's made them really his own. Uh, so I think he'll win Joke, uh, Wimbledon again, probably uh, to get the sole possession of twenty three if he doesn't get it already in Paris. And then, uh, and then U.S. Open. I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for Medvedev to come back. I feel like Medvedev is, is too good to be ranked where he is now. I think we'll maybe do a bit of a, a bounce back from him. So I'll, I'll pick Medvedev for U.S. Open. I like that one. Yeah, I mean, I like it all, Ben, but I don't think we could be writing the greatest of all time, Rafa, off this <laughs> early. It's but a minor injury. Um, and some could say I'm a fanboy. Some would say I'm stupid. I would just say I'm loyal. <laughs> so uh, I see Rafa and Roland Garros for 15, is it? 14? 15. <laughs> it would be 15, yeah. Uh, well, no, um, the only one I've got to throw at you is... Uh, 
my good friend Ross P has uh, Andy Murray winning Wimbledon this year. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I think everyone would be very happy with that. Exactly. You know, I mean, honestly, the the dream run for Andy is 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 yeah something everyone wants, and sure, why not? I mean. Yeah, why not? Yeah, jump on the bandwagon. Got, <laughs> you see the smile on Ross P's face just now? It's incredible. I've got faith, man. I've got faith in the man. <laughs> so if you're if you're if you're a Murray fan and want him to win Wimbledon, do you want him to like skip the clay entirely this year? Yeah, I don't see how much use that's going to do for him. Um, I mean, maybe a couple of tournaments for his ranking. It depends where his ranking is every time he gets to the clay season because uh, he needs to get that up for him to be seeded. I think for Wimbledon, have any shot at it. So it depends where he's sitting with that. Um, I don't see him going in the second week of Roland Garros. I don't no, know if that's no, realistic no for him. So, and it, for him, as a player, as a guy, if he's not got a realistic chance to go in the second week of a slam, I don't think he's going to entertain going. I think he just needs to... He's got that in. But that sort of sense of self that he can accept these first week's losses of Grand Slams. He needs to be in the second week. He needs to be in the quarterfinals, the semi-finals, the finals. So at Roland Garros, it was amazing in 2016 when he got the final. But for him to get anywhere near that right now, I don't think it's realistic. We, we picked a few questions each. Uh, not really, well, a little bit tennis related, but we want to have a lot of a laugh as well. Uh, so question one, I'll lead in with it. You're at a pub quiz. Three players make up your team on the WTA or ATP tour. Three players. Let's hear them. Current players? They can be from the past as well, but don't go too far back that we can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'll pick Andrei Pekovic is the one who comes to mind first. He feels like one of the rare tennis players who like reads a lot of, of books and stuff and is sort of pays attention to pop culture. Brilliant. Um, so that's a pretty easy one for me there. I actually pick Iga Sviantek too on, uh, on, on, on Modern Player. I think she could, she could do well. She seems... Uh, and I should pick a man too. Um, uh, you don't have to. <laughs> no, but I, sh- I, sh- I sh- it's just to balance it out in terms of sort of knowledge areas. It's a good strategy, if anything. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's be very tactical about this. All right, let's pick... Uh, who know things? Um... Medvedev. Medvedev is a good pick. Medvedev, Medvedev is a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would, definitely yeah, he, got some obscure knowledge, Medvedev. Yeah, he's like a big gamer. He likes sports. He would cover a bunch of good categories. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, I'm going to hit you with the next one, and this has to be quick fire, as we said. Yep. Rank these guys. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Oh, God. All, like, in terms of what? In terms of, <laughs> in terms of what? What am I ranking them on? You're, well, the way on. the way I've always said it is how much like it's not just about titles; it's about growing the game, and it's your honest opinion on them. So, what 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 order you putting them in? Oh, for like growing the game, that's a very different question than greatest. Um, I would pick, uh, I would pick Federer. I mean, just in terms of popularity, that's what you're saying for growing the game. Yeah, um, yeah, Federer and Nadal, Djokovic in that order. That's pretty pretty clear, I think. Um, but who, who's your goat then, playing wise? I think purely results is, is Djokovic. I mean, that's that's it's oh, uh, a tough one to take. It's, it's getting one. less tough, but I think. Honestly, so like, I, think, Nadal fans I, think so. I know. I, I'm not saying it's you know what you want to hear, but I mean, I mean, Djokovic is is the guy. He's he's he won as many. He's also won every Masters at least twice, which is incredible. Yeah. No one else has done them even once. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's way far ahead in a bunch of important categories. Yeah. Next one from me, Ben. You're going in a night out. You're taking one tennis player with you. Who is it? 
<laughs> okay, it all very much depends what kind of night you want. Um, but let's say, uh, uh, I would pick. Um, hmm. yeah, let's just go crazy. I'll say, I'll say Tomic. That was mine. So as well, I said, uh, you, you, I don't think you'd remember the night for years, but uh, I'm sure it'd be a good one. Um, yeah. Right, we've got two two more questions. Quick fire. We've already spoke about it before. A Bond villain. We speak about it all the time. If you had to pick one Bond villain from either tour, who are you picking? Ostapenko. That's yes. right. Yes, amazing. We, we think she is world class <laughs> entertainment, like box office, and people need to need to buy into her a little bit more. Uh, right. Last question. Go for it, Pricey. So Ben, you're stuck on a desert island for an unexplained amount of time who is the one player you would want to have with you and you and that player had to watch one match for the rest of your time on the island what would the match be and what would the player be oh watching the same match over and over yeah just until you get rescued so you You so it may be really fast so you don't want to watch like the the mahu isn't a match in case you get rescued in two days but you know you got to think about it i'll send you one of mine across they're pretty good if you want to (laughs) wait so so, so i'll get rescued as soon as the match is over is what you're saying no 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 no. you've got you've got years of watching that match it's just a classic you could watch it a thousand times i don't think any match would hold up to watch being watched that many times honestly like um okay let's see match um yeah, I'll go with him again because he doesn't get a lot of love these days. There's a crazy match between uh, Bernard Tomic and uh, Dolga Polov that happened in the third round, I believe, of the Australian Open in 2012. Wow. It was the first year I was there. Wow. And if you guys haven't seen this match, this is a deep cut, but if you haven't seen this match, it's a, there's good foot highlights of it on YouTube. It's incredible. It's both of them hitting just like the weirdest, weirdest shots you've ever seen. Just like slices and drops and nothing normal ever happens this entire match. Ben, you've not seen Ross Patrick play tennis. <laughs> well, that I like weird tennis. So I would like something. If it was going to be something... Well, he's a Mavic. If, <laughs> he's one of the kids. If I had to watch something... If I was going insane having to watch any match, you know, hundreds of times on this island, I would... I would uh, I'd like it to be something that would match my sort of level of delirium uh, in the end. So I think that would be a, a good pick. And the player to watch it with... Um, I pick. I could to pick Medvedev again. He just like he seems like a funny guy. I don't want to put him on this island though. He deserves to be you know, on land. But, <laughs> well, uh, he, but yeah, he seems like it'd be a fun guy to, to, to watch. A good kind of what do you call it? Like, sure goggle box kind of guy like you have over there. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah absolutely. Right, Ben. We're gonna gonna let you get away because we know you're a, an extremely busy man. Um, but from every one of us uh, on the podcast, a massive thank you for coming on. I know we've only been kicking about for two or three months, but it's uh, we've, we've grown pretty fast and having someone like you on is, is absolutely amazing for us and what we're trying to do. So again, thank you so much and we hope to have you on in the future, maybe get a few chats with you over the next year or so. But yeah, thanks. And if we don't hear from you or we don't see you, great. Like Really good luck with the book and hope everything goes well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks thank very much, man. We appreciate Cheers. it. Yeah, I had fun. Nice to... Nice to be spend some time with you guys here. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks man. Cheers. 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 Bye-bye. 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 Bye, folks.